0: All right, Exodus chapter 1 this morning. We are beginning a study in one of the most notable characters in the Bible. And I'm not sure exactly where all it will go. I have uh, some thoughts and some ideas. Um, But we're going to trust the Lord. But we're going to look at the life of Moses a little bit in the coming weeks. And God used Moses to perform more miracles than anyone except the Lord, Jesus Christ. And uh, he inspired Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. Um, And when Jesus was transfigured, there were two folks there, two folks, two men, uh, Moses and Elijah there. And arguably, Moses had the most intimate relationship with God of anyone in the Old Testament. Um, Certainly, we can make the argument for Enoch, But God took him, so we don't know a lot about that situation, right? We don't know. And so, but for what is recorded in Scripture, we do uh, see a lot of the life of Moses. And he certainly had an intimate walk with God. And Scripture records the greatness of this intimacy in Deuteronomy 34.10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses. And here, listen to what it says. Whom the Lord knew face to face. And so certainly Moses had an intimate walk with God. And uh, have you ever thought that you would like to have a relationship with God like the great saints in the Bible? Perhaps such as Moses? Uh, The truth is you can. These people that we read about in Scripture, they are people of like passions as we are. Uh, They're not something different. Um, They were human. Uh, They had the flesh in, in the struggles that we do. And uh, one of the most amazing truths that I find in Scripture is the fact that God wants a relationship with me. Uh, it, it just is, it's mind-boggling to think that the Creator would be interested in me. And, and that's the same for each one of us today. That God desires a relationship with each one of us. Uh, James 4.4, 4, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And so the idea is God is there waiting for you to reach out, and and He will respond and and draw out, and and He desires to have that relationship with you. And it's amazing that God would give us the Scriptures, He would give us the Bible uh, that we might know of Him, and, and that we could come to have a relationship with Him. Psalm 145, 18 says this, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. All that call upon Him in truth. And so we have a God that desires our presence in our relationship. And what a blessing that is to know. And so as we think of these great heroes of the faith, as we say, uh, listen, that could be us. We just need to draw. Uh, and this morning, I want to make some applications. We're going to uh, begin by reading uh, chapter 1 of Exodus uh, and as we go through these events in the life of Moses and some of the things leading up to that, uh, we need to understand some things in order for us to draw closer to God. And uh, listen, we've got to understand that God has a plan for our life. Um, but let's begin by reading Exodus chapter 1. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt, every man in his household. Uh, came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph." And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasures cities, uh, Phethom and Rameses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. Well, we'll come back to verse 15 and finish that chapter here in a few moments. Uh, um. Listen, you're not here by accident. Um, we are here because God has a plan for us. Listen, before we were born, uh, Psalm 139, 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And uh, for me, this verse seems a little bit obscure. But the idea is, uh, I think it's pretty clear that before I had shape, before I was really anything of notice, uh, God did see what I was to be. That's uh, an interesting thought. Uh, before we had form or shape, uh, and and we see an example of this, and 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 perhaps that's a, an indication of what we are as an embryo or or whatever before you know. Uh, I believe life begins at conception, right? And, and so uh, it's interesting to think that before, humanly speaking, even with modern technology, we understand that there's much going on there. God knows. And he has a plan in all that. And we, we see an example of this in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so, listen, I don't think any one of us are any different than Jeremiah. God has a plan for our life. Listen, God loves us. And uh, that's a blessed thought to to ponder. Listen, you're not some cosmic accident. Uh, Our society today would want you to believe that. The devil certainly wants you to believe that. Listen, God has a plan for your life. And this is kind of a side note, but our society is reeling in suicidal ideations. And a lot of it has to do with they just think there is some type of cosmic accident. No, they need to understand that there is a God that, that formed them, that knows them, a God that loves them, a God that loved them so much that he would die that they could be reconciled back to him. And so we need to make sure that we're faithful to proclaim that message as we go out and about. Uh, we rub shoulders with people at work. We rub shoulders with people at, at the grocery store uh, that are hurting. Because they don't understand that, that God loves them, and uh, I I dealt with suicide a, a few times in my military career. In one particular time, I had an airman call me, and uh, he was he ended up being at work, and he was on the the footsteps of my of my office, and he was going to kill himself, and he just reached out, and I I sat there for hours, uh, a couple hours I, it must have been in and he just didn't think he was worth anything and listen we need to proclaim that god loves each and every person around us and when he understood that there was a god that that created him and loved him and yeah, listen he's he's still in the air force serving today and, and i'm not saying i'm a genius i just know that hey man you're valuable And listen, it's not just because he was valuable to the Air Force mission. He was a good craftsman. He was a good worker. But he had a bigger need than to know that the Air Force valued him. It's much bigger, right? And so, uh, listen, be faithful to let people know that there is a God that loves them. They're not some accident. He died for them. And and listen, they can have an abundant life in Christ. Uh, Boy, we need to be faithful to say that, but... Uh, We need to move on here. But to understand the the full plan that God has for the life of Moses, we got to go back. Of course, you guys are familiar with Genesis 12 in in the promised seed. pastor's done a great job talking about that. Genesis 22, again, it says, Thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so we know that God was going to bless the world uh, through the seed of Abraham. And we understand that that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And God was really going to bring all the blessings uh, to the nations uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> but there was a, other things going on here before we get to Exodus in Genesis fifteen thirteen. It says this, and he said unto Abram, "Know for surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years." Sometimes we look at little blots in time, and we don't understand, but God it knows the whole plan. God understood that the Israelites would be in Egypt. Uh, God wasn't taken surprise uh, to that uh, situation. Egyptian slavery was really a part of God's plan uh, for Moses and his people all throughout. Uh, and sometimes that's difficult for us to understand how God can work through difficult circumstances, but the reality is, the people of Israel didn't really call out to God until they were suffering the affliction there in the land. That's when they begin to call on the Lord. And so God often, and we'll talk about some desert times in our life, but but God uses those things. And uh, <clears throat> but after the death of Joseph, we read in verse seven, it says, "And the children of Israel were fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied, waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them." And so. We know that a new pharaoh is, is now in power. Uh, the Bible tells us that who not Joseph and, and, and the Hebrews or the Israelites and uh, their substantial numbers caused concern for the new pharaoh. He thinks, man, what are these guys going to do? They're going to join with another army and they're going to get out of the land. We're not going to be able to, to use them as our, our labor force anymore if, we're, uh, if we don't deal wisely with them, it says. But he wanted to keep his cheap labor force. Keep those folks in bondage and, in into that in that forced labor, forced labor situation. Excuse me, uh, but God was doing something amazing. Uh, they were just multiplying, and so the first plan of of forcing the labor on them didn't work. They just started to increase. Now what's going on here? You know they. He just couldn't keep control of these people and their miracle, numerical growth goes. You see that in 10 through 16. But in verse 17, uh, if you remember the account, and I guess I should read it because I stopped at 15, sorry. Verse 15, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shephora and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When do ye, when ye do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women, uh, uh, excuse of the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, If it be a son, uh, then shall ye kill him. But if it be a daughter, then shall she live. Then she shall live. Excuse me. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, uh, children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men, children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered heir. The midwives come in unto them, which I think there was some truth there. I mean, God was multiplying this people, God was blessing them, and, and they were growing abundantly. And so, uh, you know, I've seen three children born, and uh, apparently these Hebrew ladies could really get after it. Uh, you guys are funny. You guys are making me laugh. But it says, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people uh, multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God. And, Uh, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all the people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And so the first plan didn't work. And it's because the midwives feared God. They feared God. They regarded the law and dreaded his wrath more than Pharaoh's. And uh, we would do well to learn from this. If men's commands be in any way contrary to the commands of God, we ought to obey God. Mm-hmm. You guys are familiar with the well-known, we obey God rather than man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but sometimes uh, we're not always obedient to do that. Sometimes we do begin to fear man more than God, perhaps, and we're not committed to our obedience to the Savior or to the Lord. And we need to be careful. And, and listen, uh, God bless these ladies, uh, let me see here, verse uh, <clears throat> verse 21. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that He made them houses. And so I did a little bit of a study here, and and I, I don't think we can prove that these were Hebrew midwives. Uh, they could have been Egyptian midwives, whatever the case may be. But but nonetheless, the idea there is God blessed them in their houses. Their houses increased. They were having children and those things. God was blessing these people for being obedient to Him. And listen, I will always. Uh, I'm convinced that the Bible always indicates that when we're obedient to God, He will bless. Now, sometimes we want immediate blessing. That may not be the case. But we need to be obedient nonetheless. Uh, We need to obey the Lord uh, regardless. Listen, this was a difficult situation. The king, Pharaoh, that had all the power to, to take life to put in jail, to do whatever negative things to these people, and what? They submitted to the authority of God over him. And what I would say is, as we go into these perilous times, I, uh, if you got social media, Lord bless you. I, I have some of that stuff, and sometimes I just got to throw it away because there's so much garbage out there. And it's doomsday, right? Everybody, oh, boy, the end times are unfolding before our eyes, Listen, I want to tell you this. God is in control. And if we would, we would do well just to be obedient and to walk with him and not concern ourselves with all trying to figure out how God's going to make this thing come to pass. He knows how it's going to happen. Let's just trust him in it. And I, I know some of you have social media, but you don't have to comment. I know it's hard. I, I'll type up comments, backspace delete because, one, you're, nothing's ever going to be solved over social media comments. But people get passionate. And, and it stirs up a lot of strife. And, and listen, I'm convinced the devil is using that to create division in, in, amongst God's people. And so what I'm telling you is be careful. Be careful. Listen, we just need to be obedient to God. They want to put all the babies to death. If you're not obedient, what happens? Whatever the king desires. He, he can take life. But nonetheless, they obeyed God. Just, Just be obedient to God and allow him to take care of the circumstances and and let him bring things out. But nonetheless, Pharaoh's plan doesn't work, the first one. And so um, uh, he tells them that they need to cast all the ones that are born into the river. Uh, Plan one or plan A doesn't work, so uh, he goes to plan B. Uh, And can you imagine the difficult and stressful time this must have been to live? We think we got it bad. Last I checked, you can go to the hospital and have your baby without fear. We have a lot of freedoms in America, and we think we got it bad. Let's be careful not to make ourselves the victims of things that don't exist. Uh, We still live in the greatest country in the world. And we have the freedom to gather here today without the concern that somebody's going to bust in the door and haul our preacher off to jail. We need to be faithful to thank God for that and continue to pray for our leaders that we might continue to live a quiet and peaceable life. Listen, it's been far worse for Christians throughout the ages than it is today. So don't let social media, the news, the constant 24-hour news cycle and the internet and all that stuff get you depressed and down. God is still in control. He can work despite the greatest difficulties that you're facing in life. This was a stressful situation. This was a challenging time. And and can you imagine that the Hebrews must have known of the promise that God's going to bless all the nations through them and and, and what what is going on? And and listen, sometimes we doubt God's plan, but we must remember He is always faithful. Because it may get difficult. It may get harder than we have it today. Very likely. But let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Listen, God made a promise back in Genesis and and he fulfilled it. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. God's promise to keep us and to watch over us in this world Is still a promise that we can hold to. Listen, we can hold fast without wavering because our God is faithful. I can't help but think of in Revelation, I think it's Revelation chapter 19, that when he comes on the white horse, it's faithful and true. The attributes of the God that we trust or that we know, he's known as faithful and true. That's a comfort to our heart, is it not? Knowing that we can deal with all kinds of difficult afflictions and, and tribulations and trials in this life, but knowing that our God is faithful, He cannot lie. Uh, and, and he will be faithful to every promise he made. Let's uh, read chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took the wife, or took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when uh, she saw him that he was a goodly child. She hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the of Pharaoh came down to wash herself uh, at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and beheld the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said a sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Listen, if you don't see the providence of God here, this is amazing how God's working His plan and pharaoh's daughter said unto her take this child away and nurse it for me and i will give thee thy wages and the woman took the child and nursed it and the child grew and she brought him unto pharaoh's daughter and she became her son and he became her son and she called his name moses and she said because i drew him out of the water and so here we are introduced to the child moses and but during all that affliction that the people of israel in egypt were facing all those challenging things, God was still working. We see in, in the first two verses of chapter 2 that, that God was still executing His plan. A, a man, people were still getting married. This Levite man found him a Levite wife, and, and of course, if you look over in Exodus, it's Amram and Jochebed and and they conceive and they have a, a child. And this mother takes the child, and what are they supposed to do? Throw the kid in the river and let him drown. But the mother hides him. But certainly, I I don't know all the situation and the circumstance there, but at the three-month mark, it got to the point where they weren't going to be able to conceal what was going on there. And so they put him in that ark and put him in the river. And I read one commentary, the guy said that he believes that the mom put the baby there in the river where he knew Pharaoh's daughter was going to come and, and bathe. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that. That's not in Scripture. Uh, certainly it may have been the case, but I don't, I don't think that. I think God can work despite our plans and our things in us trying to solve the problem ourselves. But, but what we do know is God brought Pharaoh's daughter there and saved the life of Moses. Uh, he wasn 't fl- rushed downstream and, and those things and, and so and uh, of course we know the little the, the big sister they 're always nosy right I had a, who had a big sister I had a big sister. Man, that girl was nosy so two of them I barely survived with one, and so we know that she stayed by and, and uh wanted to see what was going on, but God used this little girl and her curiosity maybe we would say too make a big change in the life of Moses. Can you imagine? I don't know how Moses' mother felt when she puts her child in a basket into the river. That had to be heartbreaking. I can only think that she just made the assumption she's never going to see this baby again. But nonetheless, she feels compelled. She doesn't have a choice. She can't continue to hide this. And she knows if... If she keeps him, they're going to come kill the baby. And so by chance she, she puts him, maybe he has a better opportunity to survive there. And so we know that according to Acts, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and he was mighty in the word. And, and we know that, that God used his own mother to nurse him at a young age. And then when he got old enough, it was time to turn him over to his adopted mom, we might say. And Moses is learned in, in the Egyptian uh, culture, no doubt he studies government and, and probably some math, poor guy, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't really care for math too much, and, but you know, he was, he was studied in those things, and can you think here of God's divine plan that the Egyptian train the men that are one day going to confront them? But we couldn't conceive such a good plan, but God can And so God, Moses has grown up in the Egyptian culture in the training, and God would use this man to confront them one day. Listen, again, God has a plan for your life. And what I want to say here is it includes your parents. It includes your childhood. All those experiences, whether they're good or bad. And listen, I get it. There's tragedy. There's difficult circumstances. Some of us don't even probably fully understand the challenges of some of our van riders' homes and the difficulty that they go through. But God can use all of that With, with the training that we have, our education, maybe for me the lack thereof. But God can use all of that in His plan. We have the benefit of reading this after Moses and his parents lived it. They just woke up every day and I believe tried to honor God with their life. And so, listen, that's a testament to us that we should do the same. And, uh, well, before I get too bogged down, I need to move on. Did you know that God can work in spite of our failures? Look at verses 11 through 15 in chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, they went out unto his, unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way, and he looked that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And he went out on the second day. Behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to Him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Whom made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. In verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Ever made a mistake in life and wondered if God could ever use you again? I know I have. <clears throat> if this is your situation, or if it ever is your situation, I think we can relate to Moses. Here at the age of 40, he he kills a man. He kills an Egyptian uh, that was beating one of his brethren. And uh, he buries his body in the sand. I would say that's a failure. Murder, uh, that's a failure. And, of course, we know that this is found out. You know, he looked this way and he looked that way. And so, obviously, the survivor of the, the previous assault, word had spread among the Hebrews that Moses had come out and, and killed his, his enemy. And he said, "'Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian?' And certainly that would cause some fear in your life. Now that you know that people know that you've murdered somebody. And, and of course, Pharaoh finds out and, and Moses flees uh, to Midian. <clears throat> this is a reminder that even God's servants can fail. And we can fail miserably. Now God help us and give us grace that we might live victorious Christian lives. But the reality is, uh, anybody can fail. And God uses our failures as teachable moments to draw us closer to himself. <clears throat> it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn by statutes. You know, oftentimes God uses our failures to strip us of our pride and to make us sensitive and receptive to his word. I can look back at failure in my life. There's one that that is so embarrassing, I don't even want to mention it publicly. My wife knows. And it hurts. But I know in that time, I was drawn closer to God than ever before. And so listen, if if you've failed... If you've messed up, our God is there with forgiveness and restoration, and you can be used again. What a blessing to know that our God is a God of the second chance. And he can take that failure and work it in a miraculous and amazing way that only a God could, only our God could, to make things work out for the better and for the good. I believe I minister better now because of some of my failures. Because when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I almost said Sergeant DeGarmo, Pastor DeGarmo. I have a, tru- I have a struggle here or there or I, I did such and such. I can understand. I've been there. I've failed. And this is how God worked in my life to bring me to the place I am today. And so we're not going to get through this. Well, maybe we will. But listen, God can work despite your failures. And listen, we God uses this desert time in the life of Moses significantly. Uh, let's let's read sixteen through twenty-five in chapter two. Now, the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs uh, to water their. Father's flock and the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? And why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses, Sappora, his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by the reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And So God certainly uses this time of failure in, in driving... Moses into the desert, if you will. Uh, listen, as I mentioned, it's often the deserts of life that we are drawn closer to God than than the palaces or the valley, or the mountaintops. When we are going through it, we can draw closer to God. And listen, Mo- Moses is a part of the most advanced. He was recognized as an ex- Egyptian. Here, we're going to have to finish this next week, but he. He was so trained in the culture of Egyptians, the people in Midian recognized him as one. And so he was no doubt trained and advanced in uh, all the the greatest things that the world had to offer. Uh, But he still needed to learn the truth that if you're not humble, you'll stumble. He needed to be humbled. Moses appeared to come out and he was going to try to solve all the Hebrews' problems and kill the Egyptian. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so we know that Moses sits at this well and God begins to work. I'm going to cut it off here because if not, I'll, I'll get too far and we won't have time to close. But listen, if you want to grow closer to God, we must understand that God has a plan for your life. It's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that you're on this earth And listen, he's accounted for your failure. He knew you were going to fail before you failed. And certainly you may go through a desert time. But never forget that we ought to wait on the Lord. Listen, he is faithful. He is faithful. And he will continue to work that which he's begun in you if you would just wait on Him and trust Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the life of Moses and how we can glean some truths and understand, Father, that You do have a plan for each one of our lives as well. And I pray that as we go through this study in the coming weeks, that You would work in our hearts. And Father, I pray that each one of us would be drawn into a closer, more intimate relationship with You because of the things we learn through Your Word.